Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson Killar jag så bra som mig Karlsson, Karlsson, Karlsson scores! Carlson. The Kings are Carlson. beating the Blackhawks 2-0. It's 3-1 for Winnipeg over Philly, Black and Arizona is up 1-0 over Vegas, and we are back for part two of the Keeping Carlson Mega Show, the third period. Here we go, Brian. What's going on? How are you since we just recorded? You hate when I ask you, how are you? I won't even ask that, but I will just say that I had a blast talking about all the injuries and outries with you, but we've got a ton to talk about in part two, and do you have any final thoughts on any of that stuff from the past before we dive into I'll tell you where we're going to start. We're going to start in Boston. We're going to talk about how we were not wrong, but just like, you know, we gave advice last week and they changed up all the lines and made our advice useless. So we'll see how that goes today. But are you ready to jump into that or, or what's going on? Yeah, I think we have one loop to close. By the way, I don't hate when you ask me how I am. I love it. I just don't know that it's in, that's good content, uh, <laughs> you know, that anyone really. Okay. Maybe they um, care. They're listening to how many episodes? One, this is episode 471. That people <laughs> might care. Like, who, who is this guy? How's he doing? <laughs> Uh, well then become a patron and listen to the patron cast. I'll tell you all, tell you way too much about how I'm doing. Um, yeah. One thing to close the loop on from, from periods one and two, Elon, cause this is the start of the third period of our show is that the award that goes to the top HL goaltender is called the, uh, the Baz Bastion award. Okay. The all, all dead, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I guess Baz was his nickname. It's a memorial award presented to the AHL's best goaltender. It was originally called the uh, the Harry Hap Holmes Memorial Award. Uh, and then I guess uh, Baz Bastian was uh, a general manager of a team. And then he, he died prematurely in a car crash. And they named this award after him. So sorry to Harry Hap Holmes. And, of course, Baz Bastian and his family. Anyway, do you know the only two... You'll never name them. The two-time winners of the Baz Bastian Award? Oh, two-time winners. Okay. Well, no, I don't. You'll never guess them. It's <laughs> okay. impossible. Okay, so we've got Mark Laforest, who okay. was uh, terrible for the Ottawa Senators in NHL 94 and 95. And then you had, uh, like, the video game, I mean. And the other two-time winner was Jason LaBarbera. A uh, recent... Him. Recent winners. It's an interesting list, actually, Elon. You've got uh, the most recent winner, Dustin Wolf in the Flame System. Yeah, people say he's going to be so good. Logan Thompson. Very good. Capo Kokkinen. High pedigree. Uh, I don't know. Alex, Alex Ndelkovich, oh. Garrett Sparks, Tri- mm. Troy Grosnick, oh, Peter no. Budai. Yeah, that one good year. Matt, yeah, but like a lot of these guys are winning it in the front end of their careers. And I think Peter Budai was like semi-retired okay. when he won. Matt him. Murray, Jake Allen, okay, Matt Murray. Nicholas you... Svedberg, Jan Dennis, Brad Thiessen, Jonathan Bernier, Corey Schneider, Michael Layton. Are you going to do the whole list? I just went back to Jason LaBarbera's second win. Oh, okay. I like how yeah. like before we actually pressed record, you were like, let's knock this out. And then you read like 20 winners of the Baz Bastion Award. I- I'm excited to see that Felix Potvin. He was my favorite goalie growing up. He won it uh, before his first season. Uh, that's cool. But okay. Wow. 
Look at that, Brian. So here we are. We're ready to die. Hope, the, hope, the year after Mark Laforest won his second. There you go. Uh, I hope that people enjoyed my new intro I tried out <laughs> instead of this uh, subdued voice. I don't want to be subdued. I want to get excited about what's going on in fantasy hockey here, okay? And we're going to talk about the Boston Bruins now. Uh, I'm going to do a segment on line shakeups, okay? Just teams that have been doing lines that are not familiar to us uh, from recent play. And in Boston, they've gone back to the pasta, Krejci, Zaka, all check second line line or first line whatever you want to call it uh and you know so before i think the last time we talked about boston they were going with pasternak marchand and bergeron which made kind of like everyone else not too valuable since then uh, if Pasta's back with Krejci and Zaka, amazing news for Krejci and Zaka because David Pasternak is insane. Uh, before today's game, Pasternak was, has been on a run of 13 points in his last eight games. Oh, I'm seeing he has an assist today. It's like a one assist game for Pasternak is actually disappointing. We're only halfway through, so I'm sure he'll score another couple goals to really keep this streak going. And so, yeah, great news for David Krejci. Six assists in his last three games uh, going into today. And then also Pavel Zaka, a guy who was available in free agency in like all leagues, had a huge week, a three-game point point streak five points it started with a three-point game so i think at this point uh going into next week boston plays four games if you're interested in someone from that team obviously we talked about on the matchup maximizer how you may not have room for all of those games but if you do have room all of a sudden you've got some potentially interesting free agents and pavel zaka or a craig smith who's on the top line right now with bergeron and marshawn and craig smith i believe yeah he has an assist today on a hampus lindholm goal so there's points to be had over in boston just by like looking at who Marchand, Bergeron, and or Pasternak are playing with, because those three are insane. I actually wanted to just point out with Brad Marchand before I throw to you. Eat, like So Brad Marchand missed training camp, right? Isn't that a thing we sometimes say how a player is going to miss training camp so they might not be like at 100% right away, might struggle? Like This guy's so good. He has 43 points in 37 games now since coming back from his injury. I looked at his career stats. I wonder how many people would guess that Marchand is below a point per game in his career. He has 838 points in 900 11 career games like feels like he's been a like 90 plus 100 point guy like forever like since we started doing the podcast but he had this whole career beforehand where he was so far below a point per game that even with this amazing stretch of like a decade almost he's still not even there and he's probably not going to get there maybe he will i don't know but uh, yeah what a weird career for brad marchand but anyways any interest in uh, craigie well obviously you have interest right in craigie but like zaka or craig smith are we going to recommend people grab them while they're on these lines so, Pavel, yeah. I mean, I'm interested in all these guys. This is great deployment for everybody when Boston splits their top two lines and Pasternak on the second is helping others produce. We can see Boston run a full, basically completely rosterable top six and maybe the, the sixth piece is a streamer. But we're very interested in what's happening in Boston. Pavel Zaka, three goals on his last six shots going, in on, going into tonight. So, you know, it's not something you can... Uh, put your name on that it's, it's going to work out all the way for sure but nice little post new contract bump that Zaka's on in this run David Krejci great apples he's going to apple picking great run with Pasternak earlier this year too uh, lots of assists to Pasternak's goals great place for Krejci to be and then Craig Smith nice to see him put up points uh, the guy also refuses like outright refuses to shoot uh, he has going into tonight two shots in his last five games so far tonight in four and a half minutes of play, Craig Smith has an assist, but he has more assists than shots, which is none. Elon, I want to bring up one other thing here that, that you know, you talked about Marshawn, and it's amazing. I actually remember 
we could probably find the Keeping Carlson episode where Marshawn, or the episode where Marshawn was emerging as being like a power play threat. And I'm going to cop to being initially skeptical. Like I was like, Brad Marshawn has never played in this role before. He's like a middle six checking winger. Uh, and, and that seems to be as much as he's ever been used in that kind of role. And we were just like, we were, I, I remember being really surprised when he stepped up and kept doing what he was doing. It'd be fun to go back and see if we, uh, if we find those. Yeah. Well, the, the tape from that. It's maybe another question is like, who's the current? Who's the player who's played like 500 games in the NHL <laughs> yeah. and is about to just go off and become a superstar? Yeah, yeah. Boone Jenner. Well, oh, maybe. Well, I, I remember last year actually, I was thinking that maybe JT Miller was stepping into that role. Yeah. He's sort of, he's having a, I, as controversial as it's been, like JT Miller still keeps on producing, so maybe he's the next one. Yeah, um, but actually, I'm going to move from Brad Marchand and focus just for a minute on David Pasternak and, and not in the same favorable way that you were stopping <gasps> to chat about Brad Marchand. I know. How dare I you? know. Um, David Pasternak, no shots in his last game. If we're going to harp on Craig Smith for not shooting, I, it's only fair. I do the same for Pasternak, but why this stands out, This that's the only game this season that Pasternak hasn't produced a shot on goal twice. He's produced a single shot on goal every other game, at least two, often more, including six, seven, eight shot games. Uh, and then going back for the three games before the zero shot game, only nine shots for Pasternak, which is, yeah, still three shots a game. That's good. But this is a guy who, who's averaged five shots per night. And uh, I'm seeing a couple games where Pasta played fewer than 15 minutes in the last couple weeks. So one of those was a night where he scored a hat trick, got an assist, and took eight shots. So I'm not going to read too much into that. But this is just me saying, keep an eye out, I guess, on what's going on with Pasternak and why he's not shooting and why he's playing a little less so far. Uh, and seven minutes of ice time tonight, no shots for Pasternak, but an assist. But that's not what we want. We want Pasternak firing away. Patty in the chat. I saw her tweet just as we were starting to talk about this. And I asked her, like, hey, tell, tell me more. She was mad that Pasternak is passing to Taylor Hall on the power play. Like, Hall is Hall is the shooter on the power play. And, uh, yeah, I agree. Like, what's up with that? I don't know. This is a change in scenario. So, I don't know, Elon. I don't think there's anything to do. I'm not about to overreact and say, if you have Pasternak, sell in case he's injured. I'm not saying that. But I am going to keep uh, an eye on things over the next few games. I want to make sure that Pasta is playing as many minutes as he normally does and shooting about as often as he usually does and not suddenly deferring a whole bunch because, well, Krejci and Zaka aren't any better shooters than Pasternak. No one on Boston, including on that top power play unit, is a better shooter than David Pasternak. So I, I would hope that he is the one pulling the trigger unless something's wrong, which I'm not saying there is. I'm just saying my antennae are up. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I would need to see a longer stretch. Like it was like what, like a three games or something. It's just so rare. It's so. It's a testament to how used to seeing pasta shoot. Yeah. Like we all, we all are. It's it's such a fixture that even three shots a game for three games is like, oh, I don't, I don't know about this, Elon. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, so it, it, that's your opinion. Okay, there's uh, nothing to do about it. I'm not. <laughs> that's that's your opinion is a classic line for when like you just want to move on. Saying, like, You're embarrassed by what someone else has said. Okay, <laughs> that that's your opinion. Uh, next next player. I, I don't know. I like I could respond, but I also don't want to spend more time talking about this like nothing burger. <laughs> so let's just go to uh, Colorado next, who has shaken things up. They've split up McKinnon and Rantanen, which is like not something they've done very much. I guess they've done it like 
periodically throughout the time that we've been doing this podcast, usually we'd be like concerned, you know, like, oh, is this bad news for Ranson? Or I remember Landeskog would be off that line, like, oh, is this bad news for Landeskog? But like at this point, like we just know that like both of these guys are such superstars, it doesn't matter, right? Like McKinnon and Ranson both having like incredible seasons. I don't even, I don't even think it's like with uh, Drysaddle and McKinnon, right? Like I could spend time talking about how amazing these two are doing, but everyone already knows. So maybe we could just move on to like all these other guys because the nice thing about having McKinnon and Ranson and split is it all of a sudden makes a lot of players on Colorado become interesting because that means now we have four players that potentially can be exposed to McKinnon and Ranton at even strength. So in the last game, uh, unfortunately, they're not going to make it easy for us because they kind of switched up the lines a little bit, but they started with Rodriguez and Lekkonen playing with McKinnon. Uh, but then at some point, Nichushkin, who was playing with Ranton, and he moved up to play with McKinnon and Lekkonen. Uh, and then Evan Rodriguez actually ended up going like to the a line with like Cogliano and Lo- Logan O'Connor. So I don't know if like Rodriguez like did something to piss someone off or if they just wanted to shake things up. Uh, so then Ranson was playing with JT Comfer and Alex Newhook for a bit with Newhook taking over for Natushka who moved to the top line. So don't worry, there's not gonna be a test. Uh, you don't need to memorize all of this. I'll just say that Obviously, you got to check the lines before the next game. But in the meantime, like Lekkonen, we already know, is really good. And like Brian and I made a huge mistake, both dropping him a million years ago at this point. He's got seven points in his last five games. He's like a fixture on the top line and top power play. I don't think Landis Goss coming back anytime soon to bump him. Valerie Nichushkin was actually cold for a little bit. But with McKinnon and Ranson going off, he's like, he's actually not going off like crazy. But he does have like six shots in his last game versus Seattle, even though he didn't get a point. Uh, but I'm assuming Brian, we're still into Nichushkin. And I guess the one that jumps out to me right now is like uh, JT Comfer is someone who I thought would like be valuable like during that time when McKinnon was hurt and he was getting like some better deployment. Different people were hurt. But like Comfer like continues to produce. He's now up to five points in his last four games. He's been playing with Rantanen. So I think at this point, if he's available in free agency in your league, you got to start thinking if maybe it's time to jump on the JT Comfer train. Yeah, another guy who doesn't shoot, but if he's available in your league and that's not going to bother you too much, he's all, he is a forward who blocks, if that helps you, and occasionally hits as well. So JT Comfer has some value, if uh, if you don't mind. No shots on goal. It's a couple power play points from the second unit, which is one of the reasons why JT Comfer is as hot as he is right now. We don't expect that to continue. However, Elon, at any moment, if you were like, do you want the guy playing with Miko Rantanen? I would say yes, absolutely. And I wouldn't even take a moment to ask, well, is Nathan McKinnon there too? Doesn't need to be. Are you playing with Miko Rantanen for JT Comfer? The answer has been yes. So yeah, I'm interested in everybody exposed to McKinnon and Rantanen, which includes Lekkinen, of course, Nachushkin, of course, and uh, Evan Rodriguez and JT Comfer. Yeah, I didn't even notice these blocks. But yeah, he is among the top of the league. Looks like he's around like top 10 in forwards for blocks. You know who else blocks a lot of shots? Some like superstars that we'd never give them credit for. But Austin Matthews has 55 blocks this year in 45 games. Elias Pettersson has 50 blocks. Are you looking at like the top of the table? Like where do these guys rank amongst forwards in the whole NHL? Okay, I got to give you the full list here. According to Frozen Tools, Josh Brown is number one. He's on the Coyotes. He has 68 blocks. Then Nick Benino. Then Kopitar, another superstar. Like Then Matthews, Garnet Hathaway, Elias Pettersson. Then Christian Dvorak, Phil Deneau. And then you go a little bit further and you get to uh, JT Comfer. So yeah, extra value to these guys. Underrated a forward that blocks. We never talk about it. We probably should. So thanks for bringing that up. But okay, that, let's go to some other interesting lines. Okay, in Detroit. Detroit's just doing crazy stuff. They're like really keeping us on our toes because they had... 
that stretch where Dominic Kubalik was on a top line and he was like producing and doing so well. And then out of nowhere, he just got like sent to the third line and second power play. And then it was like, everyone was dropping Kubalik. And then we were talking about Ra- Michael Rasmussen for a bit, who was getting in a good spot. Uh, then, you know, he got sent and now no one cares about him anymore. And now all of a sudden Dominic Kubalik is back. In his good spot. In the last game, Kubalik was playing with Larkin and Lucas Raymond. Of course, Tyler Bertuzzi is injured, and maybe he'll come back and he'll all get shaken up again. But I think if you were excited about Kubalik back before when he was hot, like now he's got points in two straight games. He's playing on this top line. I don't know. Maybe you're not like as excited as last time because maybe last time it was like, oh, maybe like he's like now entrenched. Like maybe like, you know, he's getting an opportunity he didn't get before and now the coach has unlocked something. But the fact that he was so easily like sent down the lineup means that maybe it's going to happen again. But in the meantime, I like, I mean, he, he went on a really great run earlier in the year and I felt really dumb for not having added him. So I actually have the opportunity to add him in a couple. If he doesn't, you know, I'm out of moves for this week. We'll see if he's still available at 3 a.m. Uh, but I maybe have to jump on him even if I don't have room for him. But maybe you'll tell me that I don't need to. That was my question. If you don't have room for Kubalik, are you going to still jump on him? And maybe I'll, I'll, I'll share my piece and then you can answer that question. My, my piece is actually really short. Uh, and you've basically summed it up. We know that Kubalik, when he gets hot, he gets hot. And you always feel badly if you're not the one who jumped on him. And maybe it's a waste of a move. Maybe this is just a, a flash in the pan. Like hot Elon is debatable right now because Kubalik has points in consecutive games. But that's it right? Uh, It's nice that Kubalik, if I want to look for more, he's taken at least two shots in consecutive games as well, which he hasn't done so often over the last little while. So two reasons to think that maybe Kubalik is about to start a run, but you're right. Usually you need to be on the front end of that to enjoy what's to come. So I'll I'll rephrase the question for you, Elon. You have no room. Kubalik gets zero games for you next week. Are you making a move to add him? I mean, probably not. Because like I said, I need to win out, right? Like my team is uh, not in a position to take it easy. But maybe if I'm high up in the standings and I could afford to cruise a little bit, maybe it is worth taking a shot just in case. But I would love if Tyler Bertuzzi could come back and we can get the updated lines with Bertuzzi back just to see. And again, like even that, like they could change again so quickly. So I I guess my answer is no. Like it's like if you have room, I would stream him in because he can get hot. But it's not it's far from a sure thing, right? So maybe you have better options out there. I think it's still too soon to like rationally jump on. If you want to like really do a big speculative ad, you can go and get him. But at this point, I don't think we've seen enough to, to know uh, that Kubalik has, has entered hot mode territory. There's nobody in hot mode territory on the New York Islanders, unfortunately, which is where I want to go next. Uh, this team is doing anything they can to try to get some goals. And yeah, it's not working. So the latest line. So we've got Anders Lee and Matt Barzal reunited. It feels like it's been forever, right? Like Lee and Nelson were together for so long and doing so well. Like midway through last year, they made that switch. And it seemed to work out really well for all parties involved. Uh, but yeah, the Islanders just trying to get something going. And all of a sudden, like, and it didn't help. Right in the, in this last game versus Carolina, the Islanders lost five to two. Anders Lee did have an assist, his first point in six games. Uh, Matt Barzal no points, and he is now pointless in seven games. Barzal just like, and I know the short shifts guys talked about it, but like I need to talk about it with you also, Brian. Like it's just like this stinks. 
I trade Brian. I traded Trevor Zegris for Matt Barzell, and you told me that you thought it was a good move. And then afterwards, Barzell went on this great hot run, and I was like, "That was a good move." All right, I messaged you privately. I was like, "Brian, I just want to tell you that was a really good suggestion you get." Now this is the this is fantasy hockey, right? Now all of a sudden, Barzell pointless in seven. Trevor Zegras, hottest player in the league, nine points in his last five games, just destroying. So anyways, we'll get to Anaheim in just a sec. What, what, are we, what are we doing on the Islanders here? Like, are they ever going to score again? More than like one or two goals a game? Like, or are Barzal and then to a lesser extent? Like, maybe obviously you say you got to hold Barzal. Like, what are you doing? But like, Anders Lee, you know, I don't know. By the way, Ryan Pulak, another change they've done to try to like shake things up. Ryan Pulak was on the top power play the last game. They went three forwards and two defensemen. Didn't help. I'm sure it'll, you know, I'm not going to recommend you get Ryan Pulak. He's done nothing all season. Yeah, curious to know, like how nervous are you about the Islanders right now? Pretty nervous, but not so nervous. Like this is a this is a bad run of luck for the whole team. The Isles have just 15 goals in their last nine games. They're also just one for 22 on the power play in that stretch. They're shooting six percent as a team. So I, I no one's doing well in Long Island right now. I think I've mentioned already a couple times on the show, but the the Isles watchers that I follow on Twitter are remarking on how dispirited and discombobulated the team looks in front of Sorokin each night. Like, if it weren't for him, the Isles would be in a, in a bigger world of hurt than they are now. Of course, that's all together, not just offensively. So I think there is some, like, current confusion and dysfunction for the Islanders that they're working through, but it shouldn't be this bad. And I assume Barzell is going to be okay again when the Isles get off the schneid. Like, the offense, honestly, overall, it seems to be about as strong in the last month during this drought as it has been been all year and we've been saying that the offense while Barzell's on the ice has been like pretty nice it's been good that's why he's been such a great fantasy asset and why I suggested yeah you take that trade Barzell for Zegras so uh, I'm not I'm not getting too concerned uh if this dry run lasts for another week or two I'd be both surprised and then extremely concerned but for now it has been a long time right 15 goals in nine games as a team not great but I still think that things will just sort of regress and and come back to normal if you are looking for an islanders defenseman by the way can i uh can i suggest scott mayfield in Mm. a league where a nice peripherals floor helps you he's got eight shots in his last three games he's not going to get you points just 12 points in 48 games so far this year but he plays like top four pairing minutes occasionally top pairing minutes uh he hits he blocks he shoots it's a, it's not a bad choice if you're looking for somebody uh, who, like, you you know you're not going to get points. The D-pool is deep enough that uh, points are out of the question, but you just want somebody to help you fill a few cats in a week. I would prefer Scott Mayfield to Ryan Pulak to Alex Romanov. He seems to be doing well, and he has great hair in his player picture. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. Maybe the next Jake Wallman. Like, if someone shoots a lot, eventually sometimes pucks go in the net, right? When you take a shot. That's what Wayne Gretzky said. Yeah, well, he is, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's something. It, Mayfield shoots 6.6% this year, and he ha- only has 76 shots over 48 games. Uh, he really wasn't shooting a lot through the front end of the season, but he seems to be shooting a little bit more. Like, it sort of comes and goes in spurts, but it's uh, right now it's it's coming. 
All right, so let's switch over to a team that is in hot mode territory over on Winnipeg, Brian. You're loving this. Uh, they've swapped up the lines. Uh, so Ehlers and Perfetti swapped. So now Ehlers is playing with Wheeler and Shifley, which is great news for <laughs> Wheeler and Shifley because Nick Ehlers is really amazing. He's having an insane season. Obviously, he hasn't played too, too many games yet, but I'm seeing now it's 3-2 for Winnipeg over Philly uh, with a period to go on Sunday. Ehlers has an assist on a goal from um, Mark Shifley and the others just went to Blake Wheeler. So Wheeler was a little bit cold after coming back from his injury, but I think getting Ehlers on his line is going to help him out. So that's great news for him. Shifley had a really good game in the last game versus Ottawa. I, and you know what? I'm not even worried about uh, Kyle Connor. He's on the other line now. He, he loses Nick Ehlers. He gets Cole Perfetti, which maybe doesn't sound amazing, but you know, Kyle Connor has a goal today assisted by Perfetti, which actually I'm very happy about because on in our Discord, we have our Tim Hortons, uh, Timmy, what, what is it called? Whatever. The, the thing where you try to predict who's going to score goals. And then one of the patron in our Tim's club, uh, let me just get the name. Oh, yeah, the Stripless Zebra here, uh, Super Dave. He was going, he had six days in a row of goals. If you get seven days in a row, you get a week of free coffee. Okay. And then he was like, I'm thinking of going with Jack Hughes today. And then I suggested, I, I think I'm, I would go with Kyle Connor because they're playing against, you know, Philly's not even playing Carter Hart today. They're playing Felix Sandstrom. So I said, I'll go Connor. And then, like, you know, he was like, okay, I agree with you. He went Connor. And then, like, a minute into the Devils game this afternoon, Jack Hughes scored. And I was all nervous. Like, oh, no, what have I done? I cost the stripeless zebra a whole week of free coffee. But thankfully, Kyle Connor did score a goal. So all is well that ends well in Timmy's land and on the Jets. And I don't even know. Like, is there even a takeaway here? Like, should we now maybe expect something to change for Cole Perfetti as the one guy in the top six who's been kind of cold and is still available in a lot of leagues? Or do you think it's like a shakeup that won't have too many fantasy implications? I'm going to go with the latter. Uh, you know, we've seen Cole, Cole Perfetti get into some pretty great deployment situations already this season, and he seems to be able to make it work for a game or two or maybe three, and then not much longer after that. I, I don't know, you know, like maybe with, like Pierre-Luc Dubois is amazing, by the way. I think we've already gone on and said this enough. So Dubois and Connor are you know, it doesn't get much better than having Dubois and Connor as your line mates. And Perfetti has played a lot of time with Dubois this season, but this is the first time that he's playing with Kyle Connor. So maybe that's your reason to give this a, a fresh set of eyes on Cole Perfetti this time around and think, oh, maybe he will keep it up. Uh, and we'll watch to see if that happens. But I'm not thinking, uh, like, my, my hunch is that this does not make Cole Perfetti a whole entirely new entity than he has been all season, playing largely with wheel, playing essentially with Wheeler and then with Shifley or Dubois. Okay, by the way, speaking of Dubois, I know we say he's awesome, so I'll just throw it out there for you to swat away. Uh, so far, no points today versus Philly. If that continues, that'll be four straight games without a point for Pierre-Luc Dubois. I know he's taking shots. I'm sure you're going to say not to worry about it. Yeah, I'm going to swat that away. I, I watched Pierre-Luc Dubois play against Ottawa. He had a couple really good sequences and uh, like where he looked completely in control. We just talked up Dubois recently as we have been really for the last year or so Dubois for real he's good uh, if he goes a few games without a point that just tells me he's going to get one real soon like any high-end centerman having a little cold stretch I don't freak out and that's basically the status that Pierre-Luc Dubois has attained over his play uh, in Winnipeg yeah hopefully we didn't jinx him so you said any high-end center that goes on a cold stretch you don't freak out but a winger like David Pasternak 
who doesn't shoot for a couple games. A whole other story. I can't. I'm just, it's, I oh my gosh. I just, okay. I'm All trying right. to be funny. I don't know. So funny. Is it good to be funny on this show? People don't even want Hugh. They don't, li- go listen to some comedy podcast, right? But they're probably telling me, Elon, just get, stick with uh, giving us some fantasy advice. So fine. Well, all right. I got, I got one more line combination. This was a recommendation from a patron, Steven, who wanted us to talk about Cody Glass on the top line in Nashville. I did not know that Cody Glass was on the top line in Nashville. But yeah, looking at the last game versus LA, where they chased away Phoenix Copley after three shots, Cody Glass was playing with Philip Forsberg and Matt Duchesne. So that's really amazing. Uh, and oh, and he had two assists. Okay. Okay, this is a good recommendation, Stephen. So this is another guy. Like we we've had Parson in, we've had Novak, and now now we've got Cody Glass, probably the highest pedigree guy of all of them, right? Even though he seems like the biggest nobody at this point. But he was sixth overall pick way back in 2017 by the Vegas Golden Knights, and now here he is finally. Is this is like one of his first ever opportunities, getting like really good deployment like this, and hey, two assists. Uh, I watch list, right? I don't know. It's hard hard yeah. for now to recommend whether this is going to hold, and we've seen lots of guys go through this uh, spot in the roster, but interesting for sure. Yeah, no, this this is definitely watch list material, if not rosterable. Like if you were looking, so Nashville, the thing about Nashville is they don't have a great schedule coming up. If if I'm remembering right, they only play twice. Well, I know they only play twice this upcoming week. And then after that, they have another like very bad scheduling situation. So, uh, it, but they do have a great playoff schedule, but I don't think you're going to hold Cody Glass all the way to your playoffs. So that's why I would Ross, I would watch list Cody Glass. I wouldn't necessarily jump to roster him, which I did, by the way, know. You might have not known, Elon, but I did because I've used O'Parsonin, who is now down on the fourth line, and Cody Glass is basically on the top line doing what Parsonin was doing, which is putting up points without taking too many shots. Uh, on the top power play, it's also worth mentioning that in the last game, Nashville only had a minute of power play time, but Parsonin was not to be found amongst that top unit. It was Forsberg, Duchesne, Ryan Johansson, and Mikhail Granlund, of course, with Roman Yosi, Quarterbacking. So yeah, neat little spot for Cody Glass to find himself. Like Elon, we've asked about uh, Mikey Acimond over in uh, San Jose being the third piece with Hurdle and Meyer there. Cody Glass is someone I would be more interested in than Mikey Acimond. I'd definitely put him on my watch list. And if I need a game and Cody Glass is available, as long as he's on that top line and he keeps producing while he's there, I will consider him. Yeah, so something to watch out for, and we'll see. All right, so Brian, we've still got a bunch of hot and cold streaks I wanted to get to to end the show. So we're going to get into all of that in overtime, okay? So we'll take a quick break. We're done the third, but I guess it's a tie game, so we're going to keep playing. It's going to be uh, like a playoffs, right? It's going to be a real overtime, 20 minutes, unless someone scores. I don't even know what that means. What's the metaphor there? I guess like if uh, one of us has to go. It's like a goal just got scored. Sudden death. Early. Yeah. If one of us dies suddenly. <laughs> oh, damn. Okay, well, hopefully that won't happen. Uh, we'll be back in just a sec. You're listening to Kevin Carlson. All right, Brian, we are back for overtime, hot streaks and cold streaks. Here we go. I already brought it up before, but let's dive in a little bit. Trevor Zegris over on Anaheim, totally crushing it. He is doing so, so well. Like I said, nine points in his last five games. Every time Anaheim plays lately, you're seeing points from Trevor Zegris and also points from some other guys, right? Like he's been playing on a line with Ryan Strom and Max Comtois. Ryan Strom is someone who used to be rostered in most of my leagues for the past few years when he was on the Rangers. He wasn't doing too much this season, but all of a sudden Ryan Strom has four points in four games all assists i'd imagine assist i should have looked this up but probably assists on goals by trevor zegras if i were to guess adam henrique is also doing well so are, is something changed in anaheim is this now a team that scores a lot is it because of trevor zegras like what do you think is gonna happen now in the second half of the year are we gonna get more of this or do you think zegras is on a hot streak that won't be able to sustain on this team that generally doesn't score too many goals 
Uh, yeah, it's going to be really hard to keep scoring on Anaheim. It's really great that Zegras is doing so well, except for you, because you traded him for Barzal. But Zegras is absolutely on a tear. Seven goals in eight games. He scored those seven goals on 19 shots, so he's shooting 37%. One of those has come on the power play for Zegras, so this is all to say he's doing well. But I'm not, all, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not feeling like this is all of a sudden a big turnaround for Zegras or anybody else in Anaheim. Like Henrik and Strom are also doing really great for the Ducks. Henrik, he's also uh, scoring on a very high percentage of his shots, four goals on his last seven shots, and Ryan Strom is there picking up assists for both of those guys. So good for Henrik, Strom, and Zegras for getting hot. That's fantastic. The team is shooting better in Anaheim, but they're not looking substantially more dangerous that I can see. Like maybe they're looking a little bit better but the bar was pretty low so nothing I'm getting excited about Uh, there's always the possibility that you know this has been a a sad season for Anaheim they look dispirited a lot of nights too so now you know you score a few goals get momentum start believing in yourself imagine this is good and encouraging for the Ducks and maybe it does kickstart a little bit more production than we see we've been seeing so far but I'm not about to uh, jump uh, and think that any of this is going to last for very long Elon I have a question about the decor in, for you in in Anaheim. So John Klingberg has gotten in on some of this scoring. He was just dropped in my cupful division, and you heard what my decor looks like. It's not as bad as it sounds, but it's pretty bad. Uh, but Klingberg has he's got two assists, or sorry, a goal and assist in his last four games. Uh, not too many shots, you know, hitting a block every so often. Are you at all interested? No. In John Klingberg. I mean, his last yeah. couple games, he has no points and only one shot in each. So, yeah, he had two games where he got points. Um, he's not on the top power play. Like, anything could happen, but yeah. I don't see a reason to jump on him. Probably there's better options out there. Yeah, I'm not going to jump on him either, but I am going to throw out another name here on the Anaheim Blue Line. Oh, and no. this is, a, this is, this is a, you know, if you weren't interested in Jalen Chatfield or, or Scott S- Mayfield. <laughs> here's got, here's the guy. I've got a guy who you might be legitimately interested in. Okay, let me guess. Let me try to guess. Okay. So I feel like you're not going to say, like, Fowler, even though he's on the top power play, because that's too, like, obvious, and also he's been so boring. So I guess you're we're uh-huh. talking about a peripherals. Does Kul- is Kulikov getting blocks again? Is, is it Kulikov? I don't know. He's not the guy. Uh, who else is there? <laughs> Nathan Bolio? Bolio? No. So is it Shattenkirk? No. Who? Simon ben- Benoit? Yeah, or I don't know if it's Simone or Simon Benoit, but he is a, he's is he got two goals in his last two games. We're, I'm not expecting any of that to he last. He hits a lot, I right? see. Okay. He hits a ton, and he blocks, and a couple shots, on at least two shots on goal per game for the last four games. So like the, these goals are sort of what got him on my radar. I was like, oh, I, this isn't a name I'm used to seeing when I you know sort by recent fantasy points. Simone Benoit. Uh, he's undrafted. He's 24 years old, but he's got it. Like he's almost um, like Elon. I've rostered Luke Shen for a bunch of the couple season just yeah, because those, those hits. Some games make him worthwhile, and a couple shots on goal and a random point. It ran, points random is too often for Benoit. He has just five points in 43 games and uh, three goals and two assists, which is a very strange defenseman stat line. And uh, you know, up to his 41st game, he had just three points, but. For, for a league that counts hits, Simone Benoit uh, could be helpful and fill a, a little bit of your shots and blocks categories too. Sure. Yeah, I didn't think that he would be coming up today. Uh, let me throw out another defenseman who's pretty decent for peripherals, but also I think 
could get points and is like going to be rostered in a lot of leagues, not just for like that one category. Uh, over in Columbus, Nick Blankenberg, who we've hinted at a couple times. Brian, I'm into Nick Blankenberg. He's been on the second power play, but Nick, Adam Bogfus has been on the top power plays. So I don't feel like there's... It's, I, I, I'm just saying that I think there's a chance that Blankenberg could even get an opportunity at some point. He was injured for a long time, but since he's come back, he had a few pointless games, but in his last couple games, he had a goal against Anaheim with five shots, two assists in the most recent game for Columbus. By the way, did I mention that Blankenberg is on Columbus. I don't even know if everyone knows this, but uh, yeah, he had two assists against the Sharks. No shots in that game, but he's also been getting like not as many hits as Simone Benoit, but you know, one or two hits a game, a couple blocks a game generally. Uh, and just like, seems like a guy who's really coming into his own. Like some of them, maybe we didn't even know if he was going to be a full-time NHLer, but all of a sudden he's like a top pairing. Like, well, I don't know, maybe not top pairing, but I don't know. Columbus doesn't have a lot of great options on D. So they are giving Blankenberg some decent time and he's kind of hot right now. I know you and I both have him on our couple teams and I'm, I don't know. I'm not saying I'm going to hold him all season, but I'm pretty into Nick Blankenberg. Uh, curious to get your thoughts on what he's been up to so far. Yeah, I like Nick Blankenberg. I have him on my Cupful roster, and I'm glad I did. I added him coming out of his injury. And like you said, Elon, he was sort of like a seventh defenseman last year who came in and made an impression, and then in camp made another impression to say, okay, this guy might not even be a bottom pairing guy. Maybe he's in our top four. Uh, maybe he even plays on our top pairing. Elon, if I'm remembering correctly, he was paired with Zach Wierenski before Wierenski got injured. And I do have a way to look that up. Uh, yeah, Blankenberg was Wierenski's most frequent D partner. So, like, Columbus sees some upside in him. And we're not looking for offense for him, necessarily. We're, we're happy to see what he's been able to, to put on the board recently. But, you know, 35, 40 points is, 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 would be great offensively for Blankenberg. But that's, that's on top of what we expect to be a decent floor of peripherals. Couple shots, couple hits, couple blocks a night. And as you mentioned, Elon Blankenberg still sits behind Adam Boakvist for top power play time. But Adam Boakvist has one power play point and about 12 games of opportunity while quarterbacking that top unit. And I wonder if it's just a matter of time that Blankenberg does get a look on that top unit. So I, I, I guess Columbus doesn't care that Bokvist isn't pointing, but they probably care that they've only scored three times on their last 26 opportunities, which is a 12% conversion rate, which is less successful than you ought to be. So... I don't know. Something, something to look into. Nice peripheral floor for Blankenberg and maybe a little bit of upside. More upside with Wierenski in the lineup, though, probably. Well, yeah. If Wierenski was there, it would be a whole different story, and I might be doing a lot better in the cupful. But here we are uh, talking about Nick Blankenberg, who I have instead. Uh, another guy in Columbus we really need to talk about is Jack Roslovic. And I know this is like something we do two or three times a year. It's kind of like a tradition on Keeping Carlson. We talk about how, hey, Jack Roslovic is on the top line. Uh, but here he is again. He's been playing recently on that line instead of Boone Jenner. It's been Roslovic playing with Line and Gaudreau. Those are two pretty darn good line mates. And he's been on the top power play, at least in the last game, with Jenner and then Gaudreau and Line and Adam Boakvist. And Roslovic is on a hot streak. He's got six points in his last five games. So, yeah, you could say... You're probably a listener. You're being like, oh, stop recommending. Like, I'm not going to add Jack Roslovic, okay? Like, I've done it before. It never la-. like. But at the end of the day, we've got a guy that's on top line, 
top power play and he's producing and he's playing with good players. So what do you want? Like, I, so I had this conversation with John Reed yesterday. Like he, he and I had an open spot in our league, Brian, that we're in together. And we were like, okay, who are we going to add? And he suggested, what about Jack Roslovic? And I like, right. I like swatted away. Like you swatted away my concern about Dubois, which I didn't actually have concern about Dubois. Just, just like the concern I, br- I rose about Dubois. Anyways, he swat, I swatted it away, but then I actually looked at it and I was like, I shouldn't have swatted it away because why? Like he's, he's checking all the boxes. So for now, I think we have to recommend Jack Roslovic. Plus, Columbus has a good schedule next week. I mentioned on Matchup Maximizer, they go on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. So at least get those three games. Then you could drop on Saturday if you don't have room for him and if he's cool. But I feel like there's probably not too many better bets in free agency for a lot of people for three games by Friday. Totally. Yeah. And I, I added Roslovic with my last ad of the week, thinking that I was in the clear with Mike a couple matchup, which is getting closer than I anticipated, but I think I'm going to be okay. Don't worry anyone. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I've got, I've got Roslovic. I was surprised actually that nobody else had already snapped him up for next week as you did in the other league that we're in together. Elon, it's, it's really funny. Cause like, yeah, uh, Columbus has that great schedule and you would think that there might be any other decent streaming options. And you, you probably talked about this on the Matchup Maximizer show. But they're really, it's, it's pretty weak in Columbus. I don't, can I ask you to rank? Like, you, you've got Marchenko. Uh, you've got Bemstrom. Um, you've got Kent Johnson and Gustav Nyquist, I guess would be the other names. Would you take any of these guys or would you just pass? I mean, Nyquist for a good schedule is decent. Yeah, he's been shooting a little bit more lately too. I, so he, I like Nyquist too. Okay, I would. Say, well, I already actually did this exercise for Matchup Maximizer yesterday, and I said Roslovic number one, and then Nyquist number two, assuming obviously Boone Jenner is taken. And then after that, I don't know. Then it's like a shot in the dark, right? So I think those are the two so that ben, I'd be kind of interested. Bemstrom, Marchenko, and Kent Johnson. Like you don't like either one. They're all equally unimpressive to you. No, I wouldn't say unimpressive. Like obviously, Kent Johnson is going to be amazing one day. It's just like right now, he's not someone I'm like super excited about for like next week. Uh, but yeah, not not people I'm like targeting aggressively. I'll say. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I- I'm with you too. Roslovic, Nyquist, and then the other three like could all be great someday, but that day is not today. I guess I'd lean. I don't know. Like neither of them really do anything. Well, they need to. They'll need the opportunity, right? Like yeah. I- there's no one who has a floor. But if you could get like, but it's it's, fr- it's a little frustrating. You know, you have a team with a gr- like a rare. There- there's not many teams with a good schedule this week, and uh, one of them has very few options available. Yeah, uh, well, probably Roslovic is available for a lot of people. So you don't have to uh, look further than that. Cole Sillinger is also going to be really good. What, like Columbus actually could be really good soon. It's just it's not going to be this year. But when Wierenski's back next year and some of these guys are a year older, I think things could get pretty exciting pretty quickly over there. They'll need some good goaltending, of course. All right, next up, Brian, let's go to Buffalo quickly. Another team with a decent schedule next week. And I wanted to talk about, like, we're not going to talk about Tage Thompson and Jeff Skinner and Alex Tuck. We've done that enough. Let's go all the way down to, I guess, the third line, because I'm going to assume that the Dylan Cousins line is the second line. Though, if you look at time on ice in the last game, the line that played the most was Olafson, Middlestat, and Tyson Jost. And Victor Olafson is going off again. And he's a guy, remember in his rookie year, where he was scoring goals like every single game generally on the power play he was like one of the hottest pickups uh this year he's not even on the top power play for most of the season and for a lot of the year he, he had a hot run near the start uh then he went super cold but he's hot and he scored goals in five of his last six games at least one and he had two in the most recent game versus anaheim so you know you can't get much hotter than that scoring every game and it's not like he's doing it on one or two shots like it's been like four three shots in the last couple of games 
were a couple games before that where it was like two shots and he was scoring one goal. So obviously not sustainable to just score every single game. But what's your interest level like in Victor Olafson? Is he someone you'd be looking to target in Kukupful if he was available? No, not really. My interest is pretty low in Olofsson. Like, if you got him before this run, which I believe you did, Elon, like, good for you. That was great. Uh, but I would I would cut your losses before you hang on too long to Victor Olofsson, who's a Cy Young contender this season in the league. 21 goals and just six assists in 45 games. Uh, those 21 goals for Olofsson have come on 103 shots, which means he's scoring on about 20% of the shots he takes, which is about twice as many as we would normally expect based on Olofsson's career history. Snicity has taken just over, you know, almost two and a half shots per game, but Olofsson's role has decreased from last year, which had decreased from the year before, which had decreased from the year before when Olofsson put up his one real consistent fancy relevant season as a sophomore back in 1920. Olofsson had 20 goals and 42 points in 54 games with great power play numbers and opportunity. But uh, Olsen hasn't been a consistent power play opportunity seer for a couple seasons now. Occasionally get he's gotten a turn to rip on power play one, but generally plays as like the, the ripper trigger man on the second power play. So it's great. Olsen, like I said, super hot. Eight goals in his last nine games on 29 shots. That's a 28% shooting percentage. Uh, it's nice that like the increase in shooting is good for Olsen. He's taken three shots per game versus largely two. Uh, I know, which has nudged him towards two and a half, which I said uh, a few seconds ago. Um, and and this run for Olsen also includes four goals in his last three games on nine shots. So now Olsen is shooting 18% at five on five on the season. That's twice his usual number, as I mentioned. And, uh, you know, again, it's nice. Olsen is shooting more often, not apparently any more dangerously, though. I think he's just uh, getting more goals in than he should, even with that increase in shooting rate. So good for you, Olofsson, for building on your game, but this is still way too much uh, for us to continue expecting. Yeah, I had an opening on Tuesday, and Buffalo plays Monday, Tuesday, so I added him to my Cupful team, but the plan is probably to drop him come Wednesday, but we'll yeah, see. Yeah, if you're, if you're a believer in a hot hand, right, you just, you just add him and you keep him until the goals stop coming. Yeah, there are not too many teams that play Monday, Tuesday. Uh, Florida is one, and Anton Lundell was not available, so I went with uh, Victor Olofsson. Uh, okay, uh, I should mention another guy on Buffalo who's hot and that I think you'll be much higher on is Uko Pekalukunen, who if he's still available in your league, I think now's I- I'm regretting not grabbing him. Well, I-, I did grab him in a couple leagues a couple times, but I kept on dropping him. But even though Buffalo has like three goalies up, it just seems like Uko Pekalukunen is getting all the games, and why not? He has four straight quality starts in a row. He's really heating up. And I think we're at a critical moment where he's going to start getting picked up in a lot of leagues because it seems like Buffalo is ready to just ride this guy as their starter and then play like Anderson or Comrie, whatever, on a back-to-back or, or whatever. But I think Lukanen is – or Luokanen, I should say. He, he's their guy. And Buffalo is a pretty decent team. They score a lot of goals. So, yeah, I think now is the time that people need to be grabbing Luokanen if he's still out there and you need a goalie. Definitely. He, as we've mentioned, he has emerged as the goalie in Buffalo. And we saw a really great week from Luokinen, uh, who was excellent on the penalty kill. Hasn't been awesome at five on five in his most recent starts. And the last month has actually been a bit of a rough patch for Luokinen compared to the rest of his season at five on five. But that's because the rest of his season at five on five has still been really good on the whole. So I'm not, uh, I'm not going to be discouraged by a couple rough moments for Luokinen, which 
like I said, happily, he's made up for while shorthanded. Uh, but he is a starter in Buffalo and has a chance to win more often than not. So, yeah, he should be rostered in any league, especially uh, if Phoenix Copley's rostered. Elon, not to reopen that can of worms, but if Phoenix Copley is rostered, then Lewokanen should absolutely be too. Yeah, I think at this point I would take Lokanen over Copley, I think. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I think I would also lean Lewokanen. Just with, uh, how's Copley doing tonight? Still a shutout. Let's see how many saves, though. 12 saves. It's going to end up being like a 15-save shutout over Chicago, I'm pretty sure. Not to jinx it. I don't think that uh, Taylor Radish is breaking the shutout. Just a prediction. Uh, Okay, two cold streaks to throw at you, okay? Two defensemen on cold streaks. Mikhail Sergachev on Tampa Bay, who was the talk of the town, stealing top power play from Victor Hedman and doing a great job with it. Uh, all of a sudden has gone pointless in his last four games and only two assists in his last, what, 10 games now. So he's really disappeared. Uh, I just like, yeah, I'm I'm assuming you're going to say he's not really this bad, but I'm just curious to know, like he's by the way now down to a 60 point pace and this is falling, right? And last year he had a 40 point pace. I'm just curious to know, like, what, what, what do you expect the rest of the season? Do the people who have Sergachev, should they be expecting that he'll go back to being like a super valuable player on their team again? No. Or maybe we're looking like a, a Hampus Lindholm type at this point. Yeah, I think that's a great way to describe it. Like Sergachev, the line on him has always been without top power play deployment, there is a ceiling to what he can do. And that has become even more true as Tampa, you know, has seen their ranks thin a bit and they try and plug holes with role players because they're kind of full on the cap and the team's getting older and, you know, they've had their cup runs and the window is starting to close. Uh, But Sergeyev really cold lately, four points in his last 15 games. But to be honest, season long, Sergeyev's five-on-five production is where it usually is. Sergeyev remains a 40-ish point player off the top power play. He always has been. And I believe he will continue to be until he gets a permanent promotion to the top unit. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, Brian, I got some good news for you. I know I was being annoying before, but I'm going to make it up to you. Dylan DeMello just got an assist. Look at that. Wow. What an ad you made on a Carson Kuhlman goal. Man, Dylan DeMello, one of my worst ads of the season, <laughs> easily. Uh, I liked him because he played four games this week in those four in the three games combined leading up to tonight. No points, two shots, three hits, and a block but in hey, three games. He ma- yeah, now he has an assist. Well, this is what I was. Oh yeah, maybe DeMello can get a point once or twice. Good yeah. job. It's Way like to go. Dumb and Dumber. It's like. It's all like what was the line again? When he like you know he's he sold the truck for the scooter, and then then the guy's like, I thought you couldn't get any dumber, and then you go ahead and totally redeem yourself, Dylan Demello. That that was the line. I I should rewatch that movie. That was a really fun movie. I can't wait, Brian. We both have daughters. It'll be really fun to show them this movie one day. I can't wait till she's old enough. It's actually annoying that I have to wait so long. How long do you have to wait? Why why wait? Well, right now Dina says that I'm not even supposed to show her screens at all. Yeah. Yeah, so I can't. I, I guess that's I'll a reason to wait. Yeah. Well, what if you play just the audio? Well, she won't get it. Like, she won't get it. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. She, your, your three month old needs to needs the visuals to really process Dumb and Dumber. How long do I have to wait? Like, what's the right age to show a kid Dumb and Dumber? I don't want to waste it when she's too young, and then she'll be like, "This sucks," you know, and then like she'll never want to watch it again. Yeah, there is some science on this, like think- screens. Oh, and, okay, uh, the screens thing. Yeah. But I, I don't yeah. care so much. I care more about just like when is when's the right There's day. There's no science on when Jim Carrey is is appropriate <laughs> <Yeah>. for <laughs> for young children. 
So another defenseman that's super cold is Shane Gossesbeher over in Arizona. And hey, the Coyotes are currently up 2 nothing on uh, Vegas. I have both Vey Melka and Logan Thompson, who are both playing in my cupful division. I had to sit one, and I sat Vey Melka because I thought, obviously, but he's the one getting the shutout so far. So lucky me. But, uh, oh, Shane Gossesbeher has an assist. Look at that. That's his first point in like a million games. So is that it? Can we just say cold streak over? He's fine. I mean... Okay. He was pointing at seven, I will say, before this assist that he just picked up today. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a matter of a Gosses Bear cold streak. I think it's a matter of an Arizona cold streak. Like, they have two goals tonight. Is that what you what you said? Yeah, so Dylan Genther and then Clayton Keller. And Clayton Keller's goal is noteworthy. Oh, don't you have Clayton Keller? I do. Oh, so He's been doing win. a whole lot of nothing. Yeah, well, that's... Yeah, no, Andrea, I'm safe. You're gonna I've, made it, I've made it through the week. But, Phew. like, Arizona... Uh, has two goals tonight, which is already a better result than I'm just counting right now. One, two, three, four, five, six of their last 10 games. Two goals they didn't even get to in six of their last 10 games. This is where the Coyotes' offense is at. They've lost 11 of their last 12, two out of 25 power play opportunities. Sorry, they've scored twice on 25 power play opportunities. And the Coyotes have 20 goals and 325 shots, which is a 6% shooting success rate. You know, Elon, we started this. We jinxed it. We were talking about why Gostas Bear had been so successful and why we were seeing so like surprising value from coyotes. And we talked about how they'd been on a shooting percentage bender for a year and a half ever since then, eh, that shooting percentage bender has gone the other direction. So this is a bad offensive team. I don't even expect them to be a whole lot better than they have been over this last stretch. So goals are golden for the coyotes. And honestly, the next I've been trying to, deal Keller for a couple months now because I'm not feeling great about what he's able to accomplish. I don't think he's bad. And actually, he's been able to still manage a pretty impressive point taste given the situation that Keller's in. Like he's now, uh, he's got a 66 point pace, which is unreal given how weak offensively the team he plays for is. Uh, but I'm, I'm not that optimistic about the rest of the season. So I've been trying to deal him, and if Keller or Gosses Bear are able to string another few games together where they are putting up points, I'm going to try and sell my Keller, and you should try and sell your Gosses Bear again, just because I think the Coyotes are going to be prone to a lot of uh, a lot of long spells with very little offense, and it's not a discredit to the skill of Keller and Gosses Bear. It's just there's not a whole lot to work with. Yeah, that's fair. But nice to see he got something today uh, against yeah. the Golden Knights, who haven't scored against Arizona, which is surprising or would be surprising, you'd think, because they have Jack Eichel, who's an amazing superstar, who had such a great start to the year. But all of a sudden, Jack Eichel is my next cold streak I want to bring up, Brian, because all of a sudden he's on a streak of only one point in his last five games, assuming he doesn't get a point today. I guess there's still a little bit of time. Also, his shooting is down. I know how concerning that is for you. So at this point, how worried should we be that Jack Eichel might, uh, I don't know, have something wrong with him? Or maybe he like, just can't produce without Mark Stone? Like, we got a whole half a season to go. He's fallen now below a point per game. He's now at 34 points in 35 games. Do you think he's going to end above a point per game or below a point per game at this point? Oh, that's a great question. Like, it should be an easy answer. Like, no, Jack Eichel's going to be fine, but he hasn't looked fine since coming back into the lineup, which is a mix, I think, of him and the team. Let's just go back a bit and see that Jack Eichel, before being injured, 90-point pace, 29 points in 27 games. Eichel had three points in the game that he returned from injury 
And, like, that was great. Way to go, Jack Eichel. Since then, just two points in his last six games, 16 shots. But 10 of those 16 shots came in just one single game. So outside of that one game, six shots in five games for Eichel. He's gotten a couple games without any shots at all. And this is compared to before the injury. Like, Eichel, before being injured, his shot rates were higher by, like, a not insignificant amount, like a noticeable amount. Uh, He was seeing uh, better on-ice numbers, so his teammates were doing better and his line was doing better. Uh, And that actually brings me to my next point on Eichel, which is that, like, his line mates are rotating a lot. Like, early success this season came with Stevenson and Mark Stone. Eichel started the season with Stevenson and Riley Smith, but uh, was not seeing a whole lot of success in those first few games until Mark Stone jumped on the line, which is a big credit to Mark Stone. But now that Stone is out and Eichel's back, Eichel's been playing with like a mix of a whole bunch of guys like Riley Smith, Marcia So Cotter, a little bit of Kessel. I, I think Michael Lamadio has been on his line for a bit too. Like we're seeing a big mishmash. And I, I just don't know where the merry-go-round stops. And I think once it does is when things maybe get better for Jack Eichel. Uh, Vegas as a team looks a little lost, eh? Their power play has also not been great since Eichel's return. Just one for nine in six games, which isn't great either. Like Vegas isn't even drawing penalties at a reasonable rate. So look, a lot of reasons to not be so thrilled about what we're seeing from Jack Eichel since returning from injury. I hold out hope that he can overcome whatever challenges exist but holding on to a point per game pace unless we see him settle in with some line mates that he's clicking with and start shooting again i would be concerned that jack eichel can't get all the way up to that point per game pace yeah it'll be yeah if stone came back if like shay theodore came back then we'd be seeing more of like the golden knights that we were expecting going into the year yeah it's tough like eichel's playing today with stevenson who's super cold right now and michael amadio so it's hard to get a point per game with uh, these types of guys, unfortunately. And like on the power play, Eichel, Stevenson, Nick Roy, and Paul Cotter, and Alex Petrangelo. That's a wild what top is power that? play. That's the yeah. top power play. I guess they're saving uh, Smith, Carlson, Marsh, so for the other power play. Um, I guess so. Shea Theodore, by the way, I think is going to be traveling with the team. Oh, yeah. And so Petrangelo is still cold. So they're, we'll, see, we'll see what happens when Shea Theodore gets back into the lineup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, right now everyone's cold. Hopefully it's just good for Petr- I know, like, normally it's like, oh, someone's going to come back and that's going to, like, hurt the person because it's going to take his spot. But at this point, like, they need some offense injected. So maybe it'll be helpful. Who knows? Well, how about this offensive injection? Phil Kessel on the power play from Marcia So and William Carlson. So another uh, a Vegas goal that Eichel is not a part of. Yeah, okay. <laughs> good for them. Let's see if they'll be able to come up, come back against the Coyotes here. Half a game to go, two to one. All right, Brian, let's do uh, one more cold streak. I'm ready to wrap this up. Okay, uh, but I wanted to go to the Rangers really quickly. We had a tweet recently from at, what is this, Mojangles, I think it is. People have some fun. Yeah, Mo Jongles uh, is the person. Anyways, tweeted like a bunch of accounts, basically saying, holding on to Joel Eriksson-Eck, Trocek, and Forsling in a Bangers Cat League. I've got three centers, so Joel Eriksson-Eck ends up getting benched so much that Forsling has twice as many games played as him. I need to drop one, not sure who. And I was thinking, like, you keep benching Joel Eriksson-Eck, 
But like he's doing really well. He's like having a really solid season. I think he's been really reliable. And I feel like the guy that I would be benching or and at this point maybe dropping is Vincent Chocek. And I want to see what you think about that take. Just because Chocek right now is on another cold streak. And really, he just hasn't seemed to settle in that greatly with the Rangers. Like, uh, especially I saw on one practice, they put Panarin and Zibanejad on the same line. If that sticks, if it's like Zibanejad, Panarin, and Kreider, I think that was like the latest practice lines. That would leave Trocek with really nobody. And that would be bad because he's already like pointless in his last three, only one assist in his last, what is this now, eight games. So Trocek is cold. I'm getting a little worried about his line mates. So I don't know. at the same time, he did have a hot run somewhat recently before this recent cold run. So I just wanted to get your take on Trocek for the rest of the year. And if you agreed with my reply that I think you should drop Trocek and not Joel Eriksson Eck, a couple other people said to drop Joel Eriksson Eck. So I was the, the lone dissenter there. Yeah, well, let me start with Eric Sinek, who's having such a great season. He's overperforming a little bit at five on five because he's involved in 90% of the points that are being scored at even strength. But um, can you really blame him? Because he's playing most of his minutes with Marcus Foligno and Jordan Greenway. So if he's not producing the offense, nobody else is. So I don't even know whether to count that as like a mark of unsustainability. I think it's just impressive that Eck has been producing uh, somewhat reasonably well at five on five, but on the power play too. Eck has 14 power play points in 45 games, a couple shorties as well. Great season for Erickson Eck, who's now, you know, settled in on the top power play unit, seeing more time on ice in total. He's producing at five on five away from everybody relevant. We've got a legit player on our hands here in Erickson Eck, who also puts up three shots per game, hits and blocks pretty decent for a forward line. I can't remember if he was on that list that you were running down earlier. Um, his ADP is definitely going to be higher next year but i think maybe erickson eck is going to be a sneaky pick for one more season like i was looking at where he was drafted in the cupful um when i was getting ready for the show and he was drafted 185th overall amongst like guys like victor arvidson and tanner Janot, uh Lafreniere and then actually it's a really everything's interesting around there you know you've also got konechny and lekinen and verhage and o'reilly and shen anyway uh I don't know that like I would definitely draft Eric Sinek earlier next year than that. And I think there's probably one more season maybe you've got until he's like really got that name brand value, which is why I think a lot of people are probably like, oh, you keep Trocek, not Eck. But Trocek, such a streaky guy and just one point in his last nine games. And as you mentioned, Elon, he was hot before that, but cold before that but hot before that and so on and so forth going back basically to the first five games of the season, which was Trocek's first hot streak to be followed by a cold streak. The good news for Trocek is that he's still shooting. He's still seeing ice. Um, but I, yeah, I, I'm not surprised to hear that the Rangers are trying to shuffle their lines. Like Trocek and Panarin have seen substantial time with three different wingers now. Lafreniere, Goudreau, and Kravtsov. Jimmy Vesey was getting a turn recently also. So I think the Rangers are trying to figure out what's going on. Panarin has been kind of cool lately as well. Um, Trojek has been a bit snake bitten, 4% shooting percentage, six and a half on ice shooting percentage. And he's really just staying afloat and relevant thanks to power play production, 13 points in 46 games with the man advantage. Um, but yeah, he's a frustrating guy. I would be curious. Uh, like I, w- I would give, I would give some thought to buying low on Trocek if I was ready to know that this could be an exercise in frustration. And Elon, I'm with you. I would actually prefer Eriksson Ek as the steady guy helping me out on an almost nightly basis. 
All right. Well, I'm happy that we agree. Hopefully, uh, well, I guess we'll, maybe we'll find out one day from Mojongles what they did and if it worked out. But in the meantime, yeah, definitely not saying to drop Trocheck. But uh, yeah, yeah, he's been concerning so yeah. far. And I'm definitely, yeah, like I said, follow GameDayTweets.com or just at GameDayLines on Twitter. And, you know, just make sure you're staying up to date with those Rangers lines because, True. You know, yeah, if he's away from Panera, then those even strength numbers aren't going to improve. He'll still have that power play, like you said. Yeah, Trocek has the upside, I think, over Erickson Eck, but I, I think I'd rather trade that off, especially if he is finding himself away from Panarin and everybody at even strength. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, Andrea asked us to bring up Clayton Keller's cold streak, but now we don't need to because he scored a goal like we discussed. Uh, I was going to bring up some Seattle guys. We do this every week, so I'll just mention it. Now, all of a sudden, like Tolvin and, and Beneers and Eberly are cold, and Ryan Donato is hot. But, Brian, you've dis- we've discussed Seattle before, and you're, all, you're saying every week it's a different guy, right? So I would say that probably just hold on to Everly and Beneers. I've seen Everly actually drop to like a couple division. I might go for him, if he's still, especially if he's available. Seattle doesn't play until Wednesday, but if he's still out there come Wednesday, uh, I feel like he'll probably just heat up again. That's what seems to be happening on, on Seattle. Uh, and that, Brian, is, is my list for the week. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Hope you've enjoyed this mega episode of Keeping Carlson. I guess the, the game-winning goal has just been scored by Joel Erickson Eck. So the game is now over. And Brian, we can start wrapping this baby up. So yeah, if you enjoyed the show, we'd love to hear from you. Tweeted us at Keeping Carlson. We'd love a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you could rate podcasts. That would be great. Uh, a subscription, multiple subscriptions for the podcast on wherever you listen to, you know, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, podcast wherever you know what you're doing uh we would love if you could just subscribe and get all of our episodes we've got a lot of good stuff coming you know we've got a couple short shifts episodes this week as per usual with lewis and jeremy jeremy's really stepped in and done an awesome job in ben's absence and uh i expect that there'll be two more awesome shows this week and then i'll have a matchup maximizer for you next saturday so you'll get it all by just subscribing to keeping carlson if you really like the show you really want to support us you can consider our patreon keeping carlson.com slash patron we give a ton of perks to thank the people who enjoyed the show. And like Brian said at the start, back at the start of the first period, uh, we have a big patron cast coming up on Wednesday where we do a bonus show just for the patrons where we answer all their questions. And we have a ton of, like we have an extra week of questions because Brian lost his voice. Now it's going to be an even longer show. But I guess the upside is February's patron cast is going to be shorter since we'll have a fewer weeks of questions. But yeah, we it's going to be a mega episode on Wednesday night. So Brian, hopefully your voice will be 100% for that. And you could jo- become a patron and join us live for that. We have a blast there every single week. We also do our live shows for the patrons. Like this show, we recorded live for the patrons. We had a fun chat room here. So all that and more, check it out, keepingcarlson.com slash patron. But with that, Brian, I'm done talking. I want to hold on to my voice for Wednesday. So let's cue the outro music. And why don't you go ahead and read us the credits? All right. This episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast was presented by Dabra Hockey and powered by our patrons, including our super supporters, Adam, Aaron, Tyler, Andrea, Tom, Ryan, Derek, David, Rob, Ricard, and of course, Patty. Uh, thank you to Kevin A. Bear and our team of co-commissioners for keeping the cacup full, running so freaking smoothly. If you want to hear more, learn more about the league, kkupfl.com. That's the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League. Thank you, Elon and Shams, for all the amazing streams of fantasy news you are posting over at gamedaytweets.com. You can follow our Short Chefs show at Short Chefs KK. Shout out to Lewis and Jeremy for crushing it there lately. Logo art by brandonweave.com. Outro music by Pat Roach. This episode was researched with help from Dauber Hockey, Frozen Tools, Dauber Prospects, Natural Stat Trick, Evolving Hockey, Cap Friendly, The Athletic, HockeyGoalies.org, Hockey Reference, Hockey Biz, Hockey Database, Elite Prospects, and Yahoo. All right. Great job, Brian. I guess I have to talk one more time just to say thanks, everyone, again for listening. And Brian, looking forward to doing this all again with you next Sunday. 
Me too. In the meantime, let's all keep doing what we can to make sure that fantasy hockey is for everyone.